Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. George Bernard Shaw said that those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. I love it that this philosophy that um, many of us practice, which has been around, well, if you count Ernest Holmes, what, 30s, 40s, 50s, but then he just got all this stuff from all other places. So really, this is ancient wisdom stuff that we practice in science of mind having to do with um, that there's only one something, whatever it is, and that it is eternal, and that thought is creative, which means that we get to choose our life experience based on what we believe and what we think. And this is pretty much now everywhere you look. There are now articles in magazines. There are, are medical studies about brain changes and, and thoughts and beliefs and experiences and all that. So um, in a way, I think we might be becoming mainstream. <laughs> I don't know if that's something to which any of us aspire, but so <clears throat> let's go to the mall. We're going to go to the mall with Alma. We're going to go with with Alba. I don't know why and her and her <laughs> shadow self Alma. Yes, Alba Alamillo is her name. She wrote this book that we're using for the next few weeks, and she begins by telling about a trip to the mall. She went to the mall because it was some sort of event like Nordstrom's mid-year sale, or I like to think that she went to Nordstrom's or maybe Bloomingdale's or maybe um, <laughs> Needless Markup, my husband used to call it, Neiman Marcus. But one of those elegant places, one of those elegant places, and because she wanted to buy some elegant clothing. She wanted elegant clothes. And so she managed to procure these elegant clothes for a really good price. And she was pretty excited about it, pretty happy with herself. And then she tells the story about how she goes home with these elegant pieces of clothing. And she walks over to her closet. And as she goes to hang up these elegant pieces of clothing, she notices she's going to place them right next to the other pieces of elegant clothing that she never wears. And she relates how she stood there and realized in that moment that there is a difference between I am and I want. There's a difference between I am and I want. There's a difference between I want to be elegant versus I am practical. I had never heard it uh, phrased exactly like that before, but I think it's really interesting. Um, and I want to read just a quote from, well, that's not the right book at all. <laughs> That book is much later. So she writes in the introduction to this book, I want to look elegant, but I'm not an elegant woman. Who am I then? She writes, I'm a practical woman who loves flexibility and comfort. I like clothes that feel nice, that allow me to move around and go places easily, like a t-shirt, a pair of jeans, flat shoes. 
Therefore, every morning when choosing the clothes to wear, I choose them based on who I am, a practical woman. There's consistency between my choices and my definition of who I am, and that's great because the mind likes coherence. But I want to be elegant, one little voice. Notice she doesn't say it, so she just says one little voice. I want to be elegant, one little voice says inside my mind. Go ahead, wear that silk blouse and those high heels. No, the I am voice says. The blouse will get dirty when you wash the dishes. Also, you have a meeting at your son's school. If you wear them, they'll ask you what special occasion is happening. Also, you have to walk a lot and you can't walk in high heels. So no, some other time. And that happens every day. Because every day I make an excuse to be what I have always been, practical. And I make a good excuse not to be what I want to be, elegant. The I am will always overpower the I want. And at some point, I find this sad when I read it, really. At some point, the I want voice will stop asking. Because the I am voice always wins. The I am is ingrained in our DNA, in our pores, in our skin, our heart, our personality. It's the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we communicate, the way we react, the way we dress, the food we eat, the friends we have, and the decisions that we make. On the other hand, I want is alien. I want is out there. It is not here. This book will help you establish coherence between the I want and the I am, so that when you want to achieve something, the I am will be with you and not against you. And isn't that an interesting way of looking at it? A really interesting way of looking at it. She says, this book is about the contradictions we find in our mind. And of course, what she's talking about is the difference between how we truly, really perceive, not just ourselves, but everything, everyone, and how things work. Because whatever that perception is, we're going to stick to it. And we're going to recreate experiences that support that view. And we will either negate or not see anything that looks unlike that. That's the way the human mind and the human brain works. And so when she talks about um, the title of the book, The Dark Side of the Mind, uh, what she's referring to is the unconscious part. The part that we are um, largely, most of us, unaware of largely most of the time. So last month, and not just last month, really all the time, all the time, Larry and I, we just talk about the same stuff all the time, really. I mean, we do. We try to find out different ways of saying it, but basically we teach that there's only one thing that's everything and that everybody's an aspect of it. That's what we teach. And then we teach that thought is creative, that what we think, what we believe creates our experience. And like Nancy said this morning, we invite you to stay open to the possibility of changing your entire life by simply changing your mind when you think about it is a scary invitation. Who is going to respond to that? Change your entire life? Yikes. You know, most of us don't really want to make that big a change. But that's what we're talking about. In Science of Mind, we um, talk a lot about, we teach that thoughts are things. 
we talk about the creative process, which again is what you believe creates your thought, which then creates your experience. And we talk about the fact that you can change that. And that's good news. So today, I am talking about uh, the anatomy of belief. And there are two aspects to this. They both result in, in the same thing and or reinforce each other. Uh, the first one is the anatomy of belief is mental. It is mental. It is what we focus our energy, our thought, most of our uh, focus, most of our time, most of our thought, the body of our thought, the environment of our thought is that belief that we have. And that is going to create our life. In addition to that, the anatomy of the belief is physical. Our brain changes. Our brain gets, uh, you know, in a, in a rut. That's literal. We create neural pathways that literally, so what we're talking about here is the beliefs that we currently hold are ingrained in our minds. They're ingrained in our hearts. They're ingrained in our brain, literally, physiologically. And these beliefs, she writes, are created by either repetition or shock. And she uses an example, well, two examples. One is a car accident. If you get in a car accident, uh, you might start, you might have trouble getting into the car next time. Uh, you might be really concerned about how other people drive. You might be concerned, probably less so, about how you drive. You might be thinking now that driving is dangerous, that cars are dangerous. So that might be a belief that you form. And it isn't that you consciously decided to believe that. You simply came to that conclusion, and then you believe it to be fact. You believe it's true. The other way that we form a belief is by repetition. As an example, I talked earlier about my mother. I love my mommy. I do. She doesn't have a driver's license, and that's a really good thing. I remember um, I was, I'm the oldest of seven, well now six children, and as I was growing up, there were two things that were happening. One, my mother was always pregnant, and two, she was always trying to learn how to drive. And um, she would go, and I mean, she lived out of town, seven, eight miles out of town, um, with seven little kids. So it would have been good for her to know how to drive, because daddy was working. She just kept trying, and finally the last time she uh, got as far as a driving test, and he asked her to parallel park, and she, she whacked into a parking meter, and so her driving days really barely got off the ground. Um, she just never drove. And I think she formed the idea that a car, it was just hard to drive. You know, cars are hard. It's hard to drive. Driving's hard. And so then she can form that belief, and then... And I didn't realize this until just this moment, actually. Um, I, didn't, I didn't get my driver's license until I was 19 years old. You know why? Because I thought driving was going to be really hard. <laughs> so I put it off. I didn't do it until then. I didn't realize that until just now. That's interesting. Anyway, so the anatomy of the belief as mental, and this is really fun because here's what. We just make it up. We form a belief, 
And then we have a whole bunch of thoughts based on that belief. And then we have more thoughts about that belief, which reinforces that belief. And then we have more than that. And so then pretty soon, and we treat it as if it's absolute gospel truth. Just because you believe something doesn't make it so. It just means you believe it. That's all it means. Could be true, could be false, could be fact, could be fiction. We don't know. But we treat it like a fact. We treat it like, and then every time we think it again and base an action on it, it happens, we reinforce it even more. So then it becomes ingrained, and then it becomes really, really true, because really, if you say something over and over and over again, pretty soon you're going to believe it. And there are those who will tell us stuff over and over again. And we act as if it's true, and then we believe it. And pretty soon a whole group of people believe something which may just be crap. I mean, who knows? Technically speaking, it's a technical... So just because we believe it doesn't mean it's true. But what happens is that we create a mental loop which reinforces itself and just gets stronger and stronger and stronger every time, every time we think it. And so pretty soon, it is not even questions. It is just, it's the, it's the truth. She talked about, in this book, the anatomy of belief being physical, meaning that she talked about the subconscious. She talked about the brain. She loves to talk about the brain. She talked about the brain and said, and she's estimating this, she says, because you can't really detect that on an MRI or anything. But essentially, about 85% of what your brain does, the focus of it, the energy of it, is the subconscious. So basically, let's say 85% of what's going on in here, I have no idea. Now, some of that's good, because that's the part that has you inhale and exhale. That's the part that has your heart pumping and, and, and such and so on. You wouldn't want to have to think about that, because what if you forgot or something? So, so, the, so, that, so that would be, that's, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That is where the I am lives. Your perception of who and what you are, of how things work, of who and how people are, and how that works, and how the world works, everything is in that place that for many of us is large, goes largely unexamined. We don't question it. So you can kind of see where that could be a problem if there's some false information in there or someone else's information that you thought was true at one time, but maybe it's not anymore. Or maybe you can't figure out why you keep uh, dating the same person over and over again. You know what I mean? They just change clothing or whatever, but it's the same person over and over again. Because we make choices based on what we believe and what we think. And if it isn't working out here, then we need to go back over here and figure out how we got here, right? I mean, that makes sense. But 85% of the brain's energy is going towards there, which leaves us with 15% that we may or may not be, relatively speaking, aware of. That is where the I want lives. So you can see it's a little imbalanced already. 
because most of the stuff that determines the choices that we make, I don't see. I don't question. I may not even know it's there. So you can see why I want is going to win out over, excuse me, going to lose out over I am every time. Because you're, we're not going to make choices based on something that isn't consistent with who we think we are. It doesn't work like that. Plus, we like to do the same thing over and over again, don't we? And we just are baffled when it turns out the same every time. It's, yeah. So we create mental and physical pathways based on the repetition of what we believe and what we think, which reinforces what we believe, which creates what we think, which reinforces what we believe, and so on. And you can see how that's going to that's gonna work out. I love this. Neural pathways. I went on the internet. Don't you just love Google? <laughs> now you can just say, somebody will say something. Well, you can just Google it. What did we do before that? We used encyclopedias. That's what we did. Anyway, um, yes, you all know how old I am anyway, so I just gave myself away, if not, in encyclopedias. Who here remembers encyclopedias? There you go. Thanks, you. That's great. Okay. So... So have you ever noticed that when you drive to work or a regular place that you always go the same way even if there are alternative ways of getting there? This is because you have created a neural pathway in your brain. So you are now on autopilot. You may arrive at, oh, let's say the church parking lot and not remember how you got there. I heard someone did that once or twice. Um, yes, the old remote control thing. I was uh, driving my friend Lexi to the airport a couple of weeks ago and got on 84 and then got on 205 North and then had my blinker on and I was going to exit to come here. <laughs> Only she wasn't flying out of here. <laughs> so, but I just noticed how it just, it's automatic, um, that my car just automatically turns off there. So like I said earlier this morning, I just got a different car. <laughs> I That's not why I did it. But <laughs> so here's the deal. This is what I found on the internet. Neurons are nerve cells that transmit signals to and from the brain. The pathway along which these signals uh, travel is a neural pathway. Some of them we come in with. Some of them are hardwired. And those would be the things like the, like the, the breathing and the heart pumping blood and, and such. And maybe some other stuff, you know, from race consciousness, from the ages or something that we just kind of imprinted and just, just arrived with. The rest, uh, we develop and put there ourselves. And they resulting from experiences that we have or repetitious behavior that we observe or we engage in. And they can be good or they can be bad. Um, well, bad. They can be positive or negative. And she uses the example of, not she, this internet person. I don't know if it was a she or a he. We didn't talk that long. But, <laughs> but use an infant as an example. If you smile at a baby and the baby smiles back and then you smile, then the baby learns that good things happen when people are smiling. So smiling's good. And then a child might learn that if you touch a hot stove, it's going to hurt. 
you don't touch a hot stove. You might have a negative experience uh, when confronted by someone, and so you might spend the rest of your life avoiding confrontation of any kind at all costs because you came to the conclusion that that was, that was bad. Some people are as conditioned as children that in order to feel good or to celebrate uh, a victory of some kind, that they should eat something wonderful. And so what happens then is that that creates a neural pathway so that if you want to feel good, eat something. And some people call these habits, and they are. They're the result of neural pathways. There has been literally something created in our brain that wants to repeat itself. And so it will do the same thing over and over again. And mentally, we do the same thing. We typically do what we've always done because that's what we know how to do. I mean, that makes sense, right? I was uh, down at, uh, in Roseburg at what my husband used to call the Lee Compound. It's uh, 17 acres where I grew up on the North Elmco River in Roseburg, Oregon. My parents still live there. Um, and my little brother lives on one side, my little sister on the other. And anyway, I was down there visiting for Mother's Day and... It borders, it goes along the North Umpqua River, and then the house is here, but here there's a field, a pasture that uh, my father uh, leases out to cruise family farms, and they plant all different such things. Sometimes they plant corn, sometimes they plant pumpkins, whatever. So they're constantly disking it up. And I don't know if who of you has experience with that. I grew up on a farm, so when you disk something up, you have big old clods of stuff, and, and it's all the, the ground is real rough and uneven. Um, and then if you haven't planted anything for a while, then there's going to be grass, you know, crabgrass and such going in there. And anyway, so I wanted to walk down to the river and, um, and I don't know, I don't know why I did this. I mean, I know why I walked down to the river, but I just took off and went across the middle of the field and it was hard work because it was all rough and it was really hard to, you know, to walk and everything. By the time I got to the river, I was just, you know, and it was hot and, Whatever, I thought, well, that wasn't very fun. So when I went back, I looked for the path because I knew there was one, and there was. And, of course, the path is over here on the side, and because people have walked up and down it all the time, my little brother was down there trying to fix the pump, and Daddy walks down there every day, and so on. So it's worn. And so with the path, you know, inherently it's a path. It's easy. It's really easy to, do, to walk on a path. So why would you do that Walt Whitman road less traveled thing, right? It's easier just to go, just to do what's already been smoothed out, what's already been, so what's already been done. So it makes sense on some level that we will look for the path. And if we're not familiar with the path, we'll assume that there is one and we'll try to find it. And that's the way we're made. And that can be a good thing, but not if it, um, if it runs your life. Not if you just do it because that's what you've always done, necessarily. Unless maybe your life is fabulous as it is, and you're, you're your own heart's desire, and everything's wonderful, and in which case, yay. Um, or there might be some things you would like to change. But the I am has to be on board with that, or it's not going to happen. If I believe myself to be a practical woman, and I don't, but if I did then I wouldn't, I wouldn't wear elegant clothing. 
and vice versa. If I perceive myself to be uh, um, dumb or dim, I'm going to make decisions based on that because that's who and what I think I am. Do you see? I mean, it makes sense that we are gonna, we're going to act on what we believe. It's our own rules of engagement, and we're going to go by them until we question it, until we decide maybe we're not going to do that anymore. She says that you can weaken neural pathways, even ones that have been with you for a very long time. It doesn't matter if you've had that belief for 50 years. You can change it. That sounds familiar, does it not? Because we, we believe we know we can do that. And the reason we believe we know we can do that is because we know a bunch of folks who have done it. You can change your entire life simply by changing your mind. But you have to be willing to examine that 85% part and see what's in there. Do you know what neuroplasticity is? Found it on the internet. <sighs> yes, that's how we can physiologically change it because the brain is flexible in that way. We can create a new pathway, a new neural pathway by consciously, by repetition, which is how it probably got there in the first place, and create a different one. We can do that. We have to watch the I am part. And what I love is that um, that's, what we, that's what we use affirmations for. And that's how we state affirmations. Not I want, I am. See the difference? I am is, or, I got this, it's already here. I want implies that you don't have it. It implies that it's outside of you or somewhere else. And so it's not going to get in because I want's already here. So affirmations are, are always I am, um, I claim, I affirm, never I want, never uh, tomorrow, never will be, I am. Jesus, the master teacher, said it is, well, I don't know if he said it, but it's written that he said it. I wasn't there at the time. But is quoted as saying, it is done unto you as you believe. That was a long, 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 long time ago. Alamio says, understand the power of your words. In your mind, you reinforce neural pathways. In your heart, you reinforce the feeling that you have. In your environment, life will make sure that you end up with what you are saying and believing. Again, this is, this is what we teach. This is the creative process. This is also self-fulfilling prophecy. Because a self-fulfilling prophecy is behavior influenced by beliefs and expectations, and it causes those beliefs and expectations to come true. This information is all over the place now. All over the place. So thoughts are things, and words matter because we believe them on some level. We believe what we say. 
She says, if you have a pattern in your life that you don't like, remove the words I want and change them to intention. So again, it's affirmation. We can say I am. We can say uh, beginning today. We can say from now on. Any of those. But not I want. Because chances are that's not going to work. So the dark side of the mind is the I am. And it wins over I want every single time. And so if we are deciding to make a shift or a change in some aspect of our lives, we need to be very aware of what the I am is saying, of what we believe. Because again, human nature is such that once I form an opinion, once I have a perception, a belief, I'm going to stick to it. All evidence to the contrary. I've got tunnel vision. So something fabulous could be over here, over here. I don't see it. I'm looking for what's familiar because it's familiar. And so we have to make a conscious choice to do things differently and then to be willing to see things differently. And that might involve changing I am. So I'm going to close with a quote from our founder, Ernest Holmes from thoughts, oddly enough, thoughts are things. Living is a very personal matter. Nobody can do it for you. Others can offer much advice, endless suggestions as to what you should do and how you should do it. Then there are the constant suggestions you make to yourself. However, in the last analysis, whatever you have come to know resolves itself into your own mental concepts colored and enhanced by your own emotional and physical nature. You are you. What you are and what you are to become is the result of an inner motivation which you alone have established. Unknowingly, you have perhaps been directing yourself in a direction other than that in which you desired to go. As you come to understand the way your mind is creative, new vistas of living will open up for you. That greater experience and appreciation of life can only be yours by first establishing an inner awareness that it already is yours. Let us pray. And so in this moment of remembering, I am remembering that there is one thing that is everything. I call it God, regardless of what it is called. It exists. It is real. It is all that there is. All the love, all the intelligence, all the wisdom, that's what it is. And all of creation exists as an emergence of the expression of this one thing. So that all of creation replicates all that the creator is. So that all the love, all the wisdom, all the intelligence that creates planets and galaxies and stars and universes, all that technology exists in, through, and as me. It's the truth of me. And because I know this for myself, I know it for everyone else, because God is all there is. 
And so I speak this word for and about all of us here this morning, affirming and knowing a willingness to remember who we are, to do whatever it takes to get there. I claim for each one of us a motivation to embark on a journey of discovery as to really, truly who and what we are, what we might become, how we might unfold, and then be willing to do whatever shifting and changing and moving it takes to get there so that we begin and or continue to create lives that we want to live, lives filled with joy and passion and love. And I claim that we all have the technology to do exactly that. And I'm grateful to know this truth. I'm grateful to know that God is all there is, and that means every single one of us. And so I release this word into the action, the activity of law of mind, knowing that even as I do, it is already done. I trust that. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. So it is. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.